0: Thanks, Dan. Um, It's really nice to be here with you all. I get to eat. uh, In my context, most of the people in my world are coming from a Hindu background, so the fact that there's meat on the menu is a foreign delicacy for me. I infrequently get to eat meat. Um, But one quick story about Dan. Uh, Sometimes uh, you need people to come and get you. And I decided, I I, I didn't really know if I wanted to be a Christian anymore, and so I went to seminary. (laughs) And I didn't last very long before I decided to quit, and uh, I was I was playing, I was, I was shooting some basketball, and Dan came up to me, and he said, hey, what's going on? I, I think I may have told him, I was like, I think I'm moving to Korea. And uh, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. We played this really intense game of one-on-one, and by the end, I was so tired, he's like, oh, let, I'll come help you with the paper, and and let's uh, let's finish up. And so I was like, oh, fine. If you've ever tried to say no to Dan, you know that I just, I gave <laughs> in. That's all I got, you That's how you got Trish. But uh, oftentimes missionaries are very weird. And I am not the exception to the rule. And I knew that the longer I was away from America, the weirder and weirder I would get. And then I would start to hang out with people that were weirder and weirder and weirder. And I would start to hang out with other kids that were weirder and weirder. And I remember early on in the process, I said... I said, okay, well, who's going to come get me? Who's going to come get me when I want to divorce my wife? Who's going to want to come get me when I start beating on my weird kids? Who's going to come get me? And they're like, oh, no, no, it's okay. And I said, no, I want a name. You give me a name. I, I remember I remember saying this because I, I knew, as many of us know here, that, I man, sometimes we need people to come get us. Because I know your crazy eyes, just like I have my own crazy eyes, that we need people to come get us. If you've ever longed, if you've ever longed that someone will come get you, we're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. You can read along in verses 7 through 19. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. God, we need you more than we want to admit. And God, I need you. I need your help. And I pray that you would send your spirit and I pray that you would use me and that you would use these men in this room to bring about this foreign kingdom to the world. That you came not so that we might have better quiet times, but to save a runaway planet renew us, remake us, restore us back to the way that we were always meant to be, conformed to the image of Christ. pray in his name. Amen. Amen. This passage uh, is very dear to me because uh, in the last three years, uh, three of my friends have walked away from the faith. These are men that I had, I, I preached beside, and uh, these are men that I led Bible studies with, and the book of Hebrews is, is written to people that are very tempted to walk away. And it's a heartache for me. I remember being on my knees and in tears asking God, won't you help me? Won't you do something for these men that I love with all of my heart? Because maybe for you, it's a child, or maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's you. You've had enough of church, and you've had enough of the men in this room. You just came as a favor to your pastor, but you're just here for the food. (laughs) And there's something about other people turning away from Jesus that it rocks us a little bit, doesn't it? It destabilizes us. It worries us. And for some of us, it can tempt us. And in that temptation and in that destabilization, we look to the scriptures for help, don't we? We need something from the outside to inform us, to help us. And so the theological word for being a part of the family of God and then running away or moving away is called apostasy. The, 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 the theme of this uh, this 22 hours, as Dan said, is the greatness and the amazingness of the gospel in the 21st century. But we have to be honest first that some people have not thought that it was so amazing. And so I want to do it in four different points, if you are a note taker. The complexity of apostasy, number one. The normalcy of apostasy, number two. The root of apostasy. And number four, the cure for apostasy. The complexity, the normalcy, the root, and the cure. Now... For those of you who come from a reformed tradition that lifts up high the sovereignty of God and believes that he is good above all things and more powerful than all things, I say, amen, brother. And yet the Bible, the Bible's so rich, isn't it? All right, how many people here wear glasses or contacts? Raise your hand. How many people? Keep your hand up if you have two different prescriptions in in each eye. Okay. Okay. That's a healthy majority here. All right, put your hands down. So I want uh, now I'm going to do this, and you probably feel a little bit silly at the beginning, but you know, as Ben said, you know I'm in charge right now. So uh, the Bible oftentimes. I right, want you to put your your left hand on your left eye. Okay, left hand on left eye. Let's 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 say this is the human lens by which the scriptures talk about you. Right. And let's do it with the right right hand, right hand, right eye. This is the God lens, the 30,000 feet. The human lens left, God lens right. If you look through both of them, you can see the scriptures rightly. You can put your hands down. So the God lens you see in John 10 when it says that no one can snatch you out of my hand. In Romans 8 it says nothing can separate us. In Philippians 1 it says if he started it, he's going to finish it. And Hebrews said he is the author and the finisher of our faith. But Hebrews, it's not so strong in the Godlands. It's like Esther. It's like James. It's like Proverbs. It keeps us honest. You see, in verse seven, it says to the people who have wandered away from God today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So these people saw all the miracles that we wish we could see and then we would really believe, right? They had been with God for the 40 years. They had seen all of his works. They had seen all the things happen and they turned away from him. There's another translation you can have. This is from Psalm 95. If your Bible is indented a little bit, it says it like this. Oh, that you would hear his voice. Oh, that you would hear his voice. Because often in the scriptures it says, you have ears to hear, but you do not hear. You have eyes to see, but you do not see. You see, it puts the God lens and the human lens together. Or in one Peter, as they say in England, first or second Peter, uh, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Or in one uh, one Corinthians, see, I got I got to break this habit. In First Corinthians fifteen ten, it says, "I worked harder than any of them. I worked harder than any of the apostles. Yet it was not I, but the grace of God in me." You see, there's something to the complexity of apostasy because for those who lift high the sovereignty of God, we say, "Where." Are you? It's complex. But if we conflate these two lenses into one lens, it will either give you too much assurance or no assurance at all that God loves you and that he's calling out to you. Because if it's only the human lens, it's when you stumble, when you fall, when you sin, you'll think that God doesn't love you. But some of you here said a prayer when you were three and a half that you're hanging on to and you haven't read the Bible or loved your neighbor or you're not like Jesus at all. And that is a false assurance, brothers. You must run from that. If I can give you a very quick and dirty of seven steps of apostasy. If you've ever heard of seven steps of apostasy. I'm going to run through it really quick. Number one, uh, over and over in the scriptures, it talks about people being worried and disappointment. And disappointed. How many people have been worried or disappointed in the last month? Okay, you are among friends, and you are also on the first step to apostasy. <laughs> right. Jesus says that there are four different types of soil. One is a great soil and, it, and, and lots and lots of crops come up a hundredfold. He says that some get picked up by the birds. He says that some grow quickly, but he says that one of them, one of them gets choked by the thorns. Or he says, by the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. We're just worried. It's not that big of a deal. You're on the, you're on the road, my brothers. The second step is you suppress the truth. In Romans 1, it says, by acting like you're trying to put a, a beach ball underneath you in the waves. When you're in the lake and you try to push it down, wickedness suppresses the truth. You push it down when you are wicked. When we do wicked things. Or in Hebrews 3, it says your conscience is hardened. Step 2 is you suppress the truth. Step 3, you begin to be suspicious of people like Dan Jackson. You begin to be suspicious of the scriptures. You see, Moses wasn't so popular. Actually, they tried to get rid of him in Exodus 17, No. You see, they were on the road to apostasy. Step three, they became suspicious. Step four, you begin to find teachers who sympathize with your suspicion and with your desires. Or as, uh, do you say 2 Timothy? No, you say 2 Timothy. (laughs) 4, 3. I'm going to get it, guys. I'm going to get it. The time will come when people will not put up with your sound doctrine and said, To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. The fourth step is you find some teachers on YouTube that finally agree with you. And then the fifth step is you begin those false teachers with seared consciences, it says in 1 Timothy, they begin to be your own. And then in step six You actually submit yourself to the deceiving spirits of the devil. Nobody believes in the devil anymore, right? The Bible says that the false teachers are like puppets for the devil. And the last one is you, the last step of apostasy is that you find a new story and put yourself in it. And oftentimes we are the king of that new story, no? Or in Romans 1, it says we begin to worship the created things instead of the creator. You see, it's very complex apostasy. But point two, it's very normal. It's very normal. Jesus, or God is talking here that that there was a his own people, the people that he loved, the people that he gave himself up for. No, those are the people that turned away from him see, Jesus says many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. If you can read in verse 10, it says, I was provoked with that generation. They always go astray in their heart and they shall never enter my rest. Going astray in your heart so that they will never enter my rest. But friends, the good news of the gospel is, is that God loves the wayward. Amen. He loves the wrong. He loves the ones that are on the, on the path of apostasy. I'll tell you what, if all of you guys were told me you were my good friends, and in my greatest time of need, you all betrayed me and abandoned me, I'm telling you, when I raise from the dead, I'm going to come after you. I'm not going to be making you breakfast in the morning. I'm going to figure out what's most dear to you. And I'm going to take it from you. And if I had the power, I would do it to all your kids and to all your family. But Jesus wasn't like that. Amen. You see, the wanderer is the one that he loves. The wanderer is the one that he's come for. He came to seek and save the lost. Are you sick today, brothers? He came to heal you. By his death that you might have Life. And you see, the reason why we long to have somebody to come get us when we get crazy is because that's the story of the gospel. It's built into our bones. We long for somebody to come get us. I remember in my context, uh, we've got this uh, Muslim guy that always comes to church and sits in the back. He's uh, Afghan and Indian and uh, Iraqi, I think. It's like all the enemies of America in one. (laughs) and uh it was my turn uh he was in the back on his phone and for those of you who's done some youth ministry around here who's ever been with teenagers i thought you know i should probably go sit and talk with him and so he's on his phone and i'm trying to sit and talk with him and relate to him a little bit and uh, nothing i mean absolutely nothing he's just he's just going away here and you know. After about five, after about three minutes, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I'm just very uncomfortable. And after five minutes, I thought, man, I got to start blaming my kids and get up out of here. <laughs> and I said, you know what, man, I think I got to go. I think it was maybe at the seven minute mark. I said, I think I got to go, man. I got to go get my kids. And as I, was, I stood up and as I was about to go, As I was about to go, this guy wrapped his arms around me and said, man, thanks so much for sitting with me. I really needed that. And I thought to myself, who are you talking to, brother? This was the most awkward interaction I've had all month. You see, there's something about us going to get people in our tiny little ways that actually has power behind it. You see, people are walking away from Jesus, and Jude says, go get them. Because that is the pattern of the cross. Jesus comes for his own. And I'm telling you, brothers, this night he's coming for you. He sent me here from my tiny little island that's rainy and cold to come to a place that has snow to tell you that he's coming for you. It's complex and it's normal, but it's the way of the cross. The complexity and the normalcy of apostasy also leads us to the root of apostasy. In verse 12, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, this, hurt, this verse hurt my feelings a little bit because I sort of don't necessarily connect evil and unbelieving together right (laughs) you sort of think to yourself easy easy Hebrews (laughs) hold back the reins a little bit on this one because how can my unbelieving heart be evil because oftentimes we equate faith we have sort of domesticated faith only to the intellect We have made it so small and so manageable and so malleable that we sort of think that faith is exclusively in the arena of theory. We have made it smaller than it is. We sort of put E equals MC squared. Jesus is the king of the world. Now, it is certainly not less than that. But any sociologist in any country, in any part of the world, will tell you that faith patterns have much, much more to do than, from, than just mere rationality. It's what we love. So friends, what is the story that you love the most? When you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, do you say, psh, liberal? <laughs> If you're going, I was going to say in the tube, which is like the underground. I'm trying to think of the equivalent in this context. If you're, if you're on a sidewalk and somebody knocks you, do you say, Trump supporter? You see, we, we, we filter the things in our world through the rubric of what we love the most. Faith is much more like how you treat a sibling or how you treat a spouse. It's 10,000 decisions that you make every single day. You see, I I think to my wife, you know what? She didn't do her part, so I'm not going to do mine. I remember right when I got married, I only only made half the bed. Anybody else do this? It's just me. Because I remember thinking, listen, I didn't sleep in that part of the bed. That's not my responsibility. That's your responsibility. love loves that God likes the cold-hearted people like us. <laughs> but if you make ten thousand decisions about your faith every day, just like you make ten thousand decisions about how you treat your coworker every day, it's a much more like what you love. The Pope of Evangelicalism—let let me call him that—for uh, some of you, Tim Keller. He will oftentimes say that having, having a relationship is a great, because let me, let me just back up. Oftentimes we think of our faith in a way that is so small, it's only wrapped around our intellect. But over and over and over again, God is referred to as like a lover, like a marriage And for us to go to other gods, to go to other affections, it is a spiritual adultery. And so for us to not love the one who sacrificed the most for us, who gave the most for us, for us to turn our back on him like a loving family who has a son that once he gets all of his med school paid off, never talks to his parents again, we would say, man, that's a scoundrel. That's evil. That is unbelieving heart. If God is who he says he is, if he really loved you so much that he sacrificed his only son for you, if he really did that for you, then we must have some sort of affectionate, faithful, pledge your allegiance type of love for him. And in Hebrews, the the author says, Brothers, be careful. Take care. Take care, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart. For those of you who love old theologians, John Calvin put it like this Nothing is more possible than to be deceived. Nothing is more possible to be deceived but if it is sin if there is something about your affections and sin if believing is more than just E equals MC squared if it's about what you position your affections on then that's good news if there's something about unbelief in our bones if it's sin if there's something about it that's actually wrong we have a redeemer over sin That's great news if it's not just philosophy, if it's not just science, if it's not just because you had a terrible father, which many of you had terrible fathers. If it's really something greater than that, then Jesus is the one that we want because he has dominion and power and strength over sin. It's good news, brothers, because we have a savior that wants to help you to be with you, to be the God that you always wanted for. He's come for you. The complexity of apostasy, the norm of apostasy, the root of apostasy and the cure. Uh, Verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin or another translator could also say the seductiveness of sin so so bible scholars what is it saying is the cure for apostasy you can shout it out i don't have any candy but you can shout it out exhort one another every day as long as it's called a day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin what's the cure Exhortation. exhortation i had to look this one up i'm not gonna lie to you Exhortation is this really great combination of urging someone to do something and encouragement at the same time. You see, I'm the type that generally goes really hard on one or really hard on the other. If I don't really care what you do, I'll just encourage you. (laughs) If I really want you to do something, I'm going to urge you to do it. But the cure, think about it in terms of the human lens. The cure for apostasy is you is you grabbing your brother and saying it ain't that way. There's more to the gospel than this. Why don't you come over? Why don't we go out? Why don't you come into our world? Because more and more of the people that I've seen that have walked away from the faith didn't have somebody to come get them. So this at least means that we have to go get our, get our brothers. We have to go get each other. If exhortation if your small, little attempts at encouraging and urging one another to keep coming to church in the summertime, to keep coming to church even though your wife has a baby, to keep coming to church even though you've got little kids, to keep coming to church even when you don't feel like you have one friend there, to keep reading the Bible when it feels like nothing, to keep turning away from sin when it feels so good brothers we need each other one of the things I love about this amazing gospel is that you know remember those uh if you go to one of those like kid arcades and you know those little things where you you pay 25 cents and they reach down and get a toy and you they never work right and you just keep putting you see this like eight-year-old he keeps putting in you just think to yourself man brother you need to give up thing is, when God comes down to get us, it's always in one of those big ones, and he always picks up more than one at a time. You see, the good news of the gospel is that friendship is interwoven into our faith. We need it, and we are called to it, and God wants it for you as a gift. The way theologians oftentimes talk about it is that prayer and meeting together and communion is a means of grace. We oftentimes think of it as a mean grace. I don't want to do that. Why is God being so mean to me all the time? But he's giving it to you as a gift. So I want you to even even over these next 22 hours, grab somebody that you don't know and say, "I'm going to I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to get through this." I don't know you don't know people as well as you want to know them to do that. But I want you to take a risk this week. My Dear wife and I, we have three children who I wish were here. Uh, we took our first holiday, as they say in Britain, to uh, to England. I, I lived in Spain for four years, reaching out to Muslims, immigrant Muslims, and, and we, we went up uh, to do a uh, vacation with my brother-in-law, and I remember it was about, about uh, 10 o'clock at night and uh, it was a very quiet neighborhood. and. I heard this scream, a woman's scream that was, I mean, even now it kind of gives me the chills when I think about it. Because it was one of those screams that you know something is terribly, terribly wrong. And we just snapped into action and we went to, we went to go find her because she just kept screaming like this blood-curdling scream. And I remember when I was, uh, I was, I just remember started praying and I found her in a puddle on the street and she had been crying, her makeup was running, and I said, you come into our house, and we were just trying to figure out what happened, and she was talking about, he did it, he did it. And I said, who did it? And she said, my boyfriend did it. And I said, where is he? And She said, I'm gonna go back to him, thank you for the tea. And I said, no, 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 you can't go back to him. And there's few times when I'm uh, just terrified But when I saw this mountain of a man, about one and a half, two times as big as I am, through the window as I'm walking her back into her home where she had just been raped, I said, don't go in there. She said, it's okay, don't worry. We pleaded with her to give us her number, and she finally gave us her number, and every day my wife was texting her, are you okay Do you want us to come get you? How can we help you? Every single day, she said, can we help you? Where are you? Are you okay? Where are you? Are you okay? Every single day, because the threat was so great, the need for encouragement was so needed every single day. Only if we think of the deceitfulness of sin as something greater than yourself, will you begin to say to your brothers, I need you. I need you every single day, and you will exhort one another every single day because this is what Jesus is doing on our behalf now. That he lives to intercede for us, that he didn't just die and rise again and wait for us, but that even now he is interceding for us every day, (laughs) exhorting us through his spirit every day that we might be the people that we long to be. Brothers, it is very complex, it is very normal. And the root of it is very deceitful, but there is good news of the gospel that we go and get people as God has gone to get us. Let's pray. God, we need your courage. We want to be brave like you are, that you came into the dark knowing what it would cost. Give us the courage that we would be lion-hearted men, that despite the awkwardness, that despite the difficulty, that despite the obstacles, and despite all these things, that we would run and help our brothers, help our friends to believe and yearn for the gospel. And may they help us, that they would come and get us as you have come to get us. In the name of Christ, amen.